0: that means for us as as everyday believers and what we do in everyday life. Um, I just want to also say um, we do this as family. so good to have Johnny and Renee in the house. (laughs) Love you guys, eh? Love you guys, honestly. Um, Do you know in life, um, life throws a lot of stuff at us, eh? But how we anchor ourselves in Christ is important. What I want us to do is remember this, that you can't anchor yourself in your past and expect to sail into your future. So this morning, as the word is preached, I want to ask you that you would assess your own heart, um, maybe not look at your, your uh, wife's heart, but assess your own one. You're going, hmm, yeah, <laughs> it's you. <laughs> Watch out also, gouge your eyes out. Okay, so don't do that this morning, but assess your own heart and actually ask God, God, are you speaking to me about these things? I want to adjust this morning. So the great invitation, what does it mean? If you've got your Bibles this morning, open your Bibles to Isaiah 55. We'll look at this. We're going to look at another story this morning. A few years ago, uh, before we read the scripture here, there's a few years ago, who remembers that runner, Um, Barnett, I think it's Barnett or Barrett, the guy that just, uh, from Barrett, he, he fainted before he got to the finish line, remember, and he was dehydrated so that they the clinical advice was that he was, didn't have enough water. See, we can survive without food, but you can't survive without water. There's a thirst in us for more. So this morning, um, don't be like that. Don't be like that guy that just, just before the finish line, you, go, you just see it there, and you're going, nearly there. And that was recorded, and it was shown all around the world. But it's such a picture for us as a church, that we need to rehydrate ourselves by the Spirit of God daily. Every single day of our lives. We can't just rely on old manner or old stuff that we knew. That's why it's important for us to keep on living our faith out and trusting God for more testimonies, more stories. So as we read this this morning, I want to pray that there'll be a thirst in you to know God more. Now, knowing God is not just knowledge. It's genosco. It's a experiencing God. So, Isaiah 55 says this, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourself in rich food. Everyone say rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Hands up, who gets thirsty? Physically, who gets thirsty? Who knows that when you're out there, it's amazing what water does, you know, most of the water, I think is 65% of our bodies is made up of water. And I think most of the population, I mean, the size of the mass of the, um, the world is, is water. But water is so important to us, but yet we don't think about it. Who does not drink water daily? Hands up. That needs to change. Because what happens is that your body is thirsting for water. And I love the fact that I'm going to read a story soon about this lady talks about, the water that she's collecting every single day, but that water wasn't quenching her thirst. So we can live our lives like that. We can go just do what this Barnett guy did and just think that I can just do it by myself. I'm nearly there. I'm ne- Not there. So we can't do that. We can survive without food, but we can't survive without water. So the Bible says, come everyone who thirsts. And that's talking about the spiritual thirst, not a physical thirst. So you've got to keep yourself thirsty for God. John 4, if you got your Bibles open, if you are taking notes this morning. John 4, we're going to read from verse 5 to 26. And this is a great story. This is a story about Jesus and the Samaritan woman. So he came to the town of Samaria, Kosaka, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there. So Jesus worried as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about six hours. Now you imagine this, he gets to the well and he sits there six hours. That's a long time to be sitting beside something. So Jesus was waiting for something. See, sometimes we think that God's not this God of order, but he knows exactly what he's doing. God is waiting. No, In the time where you were walking with Christ and doing your own, weren't walking with Christ and doing your own thing, Christ was waiting. He will keep on waiting. And then, in that moment, an interruption is an invitation for transformation. In that moment, there. And I love the fact that he was waiting. The well was one of the most populated areas because that's where the the animals are taken to get their water. That's where the travelers would come and refuel before it was like one of those pit stops. So it was packed. Every single day, people were, and I think sometimes when we look at a story like this, you think that it was just Jesus and this lady. But that place would have been so busy. But the scriptures focus on this one scene. Who's, who loves movies, eh? Who loves movies? And you get those movies, everyone's going, no, I go to church. I don't watch movies, mate. I just watch the Bible. That's all I watch. Liar, liar. All of these. But when you're watching a movie, there's like key scenes. I'm watching Braveheart, and there's one of my best scenes that I love. It's everything else has the build-up to it, but there's that scene where the, the cow, actually the, oh no, no, it's the guys on the horses, they are released, and they start charging. And they look around, and this amazing scene where, where William Wallace looks around, and he's like, there's got this determination in his eyes, and they've got these long spears. And they're ready, and they go, horde, hoard, horde, horde, now, and they get it up. And it's like one of the most gruesome moments. I don't love it because of that, but I just love it because of the passion in his eyes, and that moment, that sticks out for me. One of my other favorite moments is the gladiator. Why don't you remove your mask? Hey, Mr. son. I don't know the words properly. But the whole movie is cool, but these moments in time would stand out. Hello? Now, think about your favorite movies. You like the movie, but there's a moment and there's a scene that you like the most. Isn't that true? So if you paint this, this, this amazing story of this well, it's like that. Everything's happening around, but Jesus focuses on this one scene, this one moment in time. Can I have some ten people? Just jump on up. Anyone? Ten people. Ten people can. Uh, uh, or you're the ten people. <laughs> you, you are number seven. Everyone just looks around and goes, "Um, there's no ten people here, mate." Okay, here we go. So you guys, yep, nice. Anyone? Fantastic. Thank you, Khan. Anyone else Need ten? There's one, two, five, seven, ten. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, come on up. Even the youth, you can come on up as well. We're going to do this. I want to paint a picture for you. Go. One more. Nice. Here we go. Joseph's up. Okay. I want you to, guys, get into – pretend you're, like, find yourself in a scene. This is the well. You're you're actually in the well. This is the well right here. You're falling in. I saved you. Okay. But what I want you to do is actually – Connect with someone and just do a scene outside of this well. And I'll need Simon just to come here. Tanya, you come here. Okay. You sit down. So, you guys, just what I want you to do, I'm going to do the scene, okay? I'm going to say action, and you just do scenes like you're just standing there. One of you can be a camel. Just think of something that's in the Middle East, or whatever, okay? Because I'm trying to paint a picture here because sometimes when we read the scriptures, you think that it's not a, a busy time. But you got to understand everything was happening. And Jesus was waiting here six hours. Action. So everything is happening all around here. What catches your eye? The guy's feeding the camel that's tiny. I don't know what you guys. You guys are, oh, you guys are nice, drinking from the well. You shouldn't be doing that. What are you guys doing? These guys over here are washing cars. (laughs) I have no idea what these guys, (laughs) they're doing something, karate kid or something. Now, out of all the distraction and all the noise, eternity paints this picture of one moment. This moment here. With all the craziness and all the busyness that's happening around this busy space, Jesus wants us to focus on this important scene right here. It's allowed, everyone's cracking up, and then they see this lady who everyone knows in town. She has a reputation. So imagine this. She has a. It's not. You guys are unholy in your mind. This is all acting, remember. So she comes and she has a reputation. So you can imagine the gossip. These guys go, oh, this your friend. <laughs> your friend. Your friend. So you can imagine the gossip. And so she has to come through this, hearing her name, hearing the backstabbing. But she has a duty. This is what she does. This is her tradition. Every single day she has to come out and get water. But in this one occasion, the Savior is waiting six hours for this moment to happen. Why? Because Jesus knows, and we're going to get into it, that this moment changes her, and then it changes them. Hello? This moment here changes her, and then it changes them. Because she's not distracted by what they've said, because she's heard this all before. But she's focused on this guy that just asks her, give me some water. Give me something to drink. What? (laughs) Who do you think you are, stranger danger? Okay. But thank you, guys. Go back to seats. Give a round of applause. Thank you, actors. I was blown away. Academy Awards are going to be nominated this year. Especially the guys that were washing the car. So Jesus so this woman from Samaria came, this is verse 7, and to draw water, Jesus said, give me a drink. I love this. Remember Samaria, they were distant cousins. So Jesus, even passing through Samaria, wasn't allowed to do that because it against what Jewish people had made tradition. It was a no-no. But Jesus wasn't concerned about the no-no. He was concerned about her life and how much her life can have an impact on the lives of others. For his disciples had gone. So the disciples are gone to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink for me, a woman of Samaria? Because even in public, by culture, by tradition, a man and a woman in that scene there weren't allowed to see being seen publicly talking to each other. So he was breaking not just a gender gap, he was breaking a cultural gap. He was breaking down some barriers. That's what Jesus did to you. Jesus broke through my Samoanness, which is close to awesomeness. I think Samoans are awesome because I am Samo. (laughs) But you should be thinking the same. If you're Maori, you should be thinking you're awesome and your culture is awesome. If you're Balangi, which means man from heaven. Some Balangis think that it means something else, but. (laughs) It actually means that. But it's important, to be proud of who you are and where you come from. So Jesus says, answer her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying it to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Everyone say, living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself and did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up for eternal life. See, she was so fixated on the temporary. And we go into the story and we find out more. We know the story really well for many of us. And we, we find out that she's trying to satisfy her thirst with the temporary. How many times have you tried to satisfy the thirst that you have? And we, we call it there's, a, there's something missing. I spoke to one of the ladies who came last week to church, or two weeks ago to the church now. And she wants to know more about Jesus. She wants to get baptized. And she comes up to me and she goes, I always knew something was missing. I always knew something was missing. So she was like the Samaritan woman. This like I was I, I was doing this, I was thirsty. I thought it was quenching my thirst, but there's something missing. You cannot fill an eternal space with a temporary measure. That eternal space can only be filled by an eternal person. And his name is Jesus. So we try all the time. She was trying to get her satisfied, satisfied um, be satisfied by these men around her. Because we get into the story even more. And I love this fact that Jesus, he's so natural in this, hey. Six hours waiting there. Hey, give me a drink. I don't know if he sounded like that, but I don't think he did. And this sounded something like something different. Hey, give me a drink. I was like, what? And someone will be like, Alpha. Would will be like, Shh. I see okay, and then next minute ah. <laughs> sorry sorry but it's important to understand this is breaking so many cultural barriers here and he goes Jesus said to him, everyone who drinks and he goes on and it becomes spring water, verse 15 the woman said to him sir give me this water she's starting to be, wow at the edge of a seat this is interesting I want this water that means I don't have to come back every single day I don't have to come back and get mocked by these guys. Sir, give me the water so I will not be thirsty or have to come here and draw water. Amazing, eh? She was scared of what people would say. But she wanted to be satisfied in here. But also at the same time, she didn't want to be ridiculed by those around her. Because she knows that every time she comes there, everyone has something to say behind her back. How many people here have been in that place where you've been backstabbed, where people have spoken about you? Okay, everyone is an angel here in this room. Number 18, verse 16. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying that, I have no husband, for you have five husbands. And the one you're now, have not, um, that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And this, this is amazing. So we get this kind of so casual. I love this. This is real evangelism. You're so natural. Jesus doesn't come and go, I'm here now. Stop whatever you're doing in the well. Give me some space. I will now declare. But in one moment, she speaks to one lady where he knows that she will change everything. And this is beautiful. This is so natural. Jesus says in this interaction of drawing water, he uses that picture. So this is like one-on-one evangelism. This is like be normal. Supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. So you're sitting there and you're going, you're seeing someone at the gym. Hey, What's up with you? Hey, what's up with you? You're lifting a few weights there. Yeah, but my seat <laughs> But the thing is that in that moment, the interaction, something happens and God uses those moments to change things around. I love this fact that Jesus in this moment starts to use a gift. In this natural, he's supernatural, natural, so natural, conversation. And then he says, wait a minute, this has dropped into my spirit. You're actually not staying, the people you're staying with, You've had five husbands and the one you're with is not your, it's a word of knowledge. He picks her out and says, "What you need to be, need to understand is that those are temporary things. I'm going to give you something that's going to last eternally. I love that. So when you're evangelizing out there, you've got to be natural. But also at the same time, tap into the, the Holy Spirit. He's the giver of gifts, spiritual gifts. Tap into him and trust him. Man, I just had this word for you. I don't know if it means anything, but I want to encourage you with this. Build them up in it, and then you see what will happen. I love this. It opens up. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our father's wish. And then she gets into spiritual talk because she learns that, well, this guy's moving in the spirit. This guy, whoa, he must be a prophet because only prophets can know that, that stuff. And our fathers worshiped, and she gets all theological. She goes, but our fathers, they worshiped on the mountain. But you say that Jerusalem and is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither this mountain or in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and it is now. Here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus reaches out to her. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus, uh, just as, <laughs> this is crazy, you get this real intimate moment. Jesus, like, talking to her. Probably in that moment, Jesus praying for her. And then the disciples come back. what's going on here? <laughs> awkward. Because they understand Jewish culture, and they know that this is an awkward situation. So they're either going to get beaten up, stoned, or whatever, get thrown out of town. Then they go, oh, wow. And Jesus then, the disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. What's going on here? But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her jar, water jar, the woman went back to the town. I love this picture. And said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Then after that, Jesus. Remember, they went to get food for Jesus, so they tell him, "Eat up." But Jesus tells him, "No, this is this is my food, doing the will of the Father." But I want to paint this picture for us: transform lives, transform people. Her life was a testimony of transformation because of Jesus. Because her life, she lived out her life in that place where she she was tormented by the words, by the comments, by the backstabbing, but she didn't live in that place. What she realized is that this Jesus was offering something eternal which she could not resist, something that would satisfy the quench in her spirit. And what took place was this moment where her life changed forever because what happens then is that her life gets changed. But she doesn't keep it to herself. How many times when we get changed, We keep it to ourselves. I'm I'm an undercover Christian. I'm a Christian only if they want me to pray. Hello? But she lives out a life that she's so transformed by this encounter with Jesus, the Messiah that they've been praying for, that she changed and goes away back to the town. Say, "Come! come. I think this is him. This is him. See, the great invitation is you. You are the invitation being sent out to people because of the testimony of Jesus in your life, of the transforming nature and power of God. When you go out into your workplace, you're the great invitation. You're there. You've been delivered by God. And as you sit there, people go, there's something different about you. When you go out and you're laboring out with your friends and you're doing work, doing the mahi out there because you want the treats. The thing is that what happens is that in that moment, your transformed person transforms people. Hello? And people tell me all the time, you know, Joe, uh, we should be doing more events and, and evangelizing more events, crusades and stuff. No, no, no. You're the greatest crusade on earth. When the church realizes their potential in Christ and starts living out their lives, as he has transformed us, we can go and transform people. That means everyone will want to be part of what we do. But if people are going, I don't want anything you got, there's something going on. And I've, I've shared testimony upon testimony about our our friends at the gym who have now started to come to church. They're not to the church today because they're doing a CrossFit. The CrossFit <laughs> cross comp today. But they love being part of church. Some of them have got born again here. But because what happened was this, I just wanted to go to the gym because I needed to get healthy. I love the fact that someone interrupted me when I was trying to lift something, trying to lift something. And in that moment, isn't it amazing? The greatest interruptions in the Bible are the greatest invitations for salvation. And you get so awkward because I got awkward. I'm telling the truth. I got so awkward because I'm there, for, I'm, the, I'm at the gym. It's not the church. We are the church. If you want to see a move of God, look in the mirror because that's one of the greatest moves of God. If God can save you, wow. He can save your family, your friends because they look at you and they go, You changed. I heard last week one of my mates who's been coming here. He said that he got really awkward because he went to a barbecue. And they said to him, you changed. I said, that's awesome. Because you want you don't want to be anchored in your past. Because you're trying to put your sails up, but you get anchored in your past. You don't want to be that person anymore. That's why you've got to move forward. But it's important for us. We need to understand that, that we a living testimony, and invitation for people. If they can't cha- see change in you, there's something going on. And people say, oh, uh, my friends, they want to come to church because of this. No, no, your friends will come to church when they see transformation on your life. You're the greatest invitation. And people go, but it's awkward inviting the church. If they want to change life, they will see you. Because you're the greatest testimony of that. And I'll go, I want what you got. I want that. I want that. I want to sit. Yeah, I want to sit. And that's why the greatest growth that's happened in the last few months from us is us just being us. Us doing us. But it's us doing us in Jesus. Jesus kept it normal. He kept it natural. He used his gifting. But at the same time, he used a moment to change someone's life. And that's the only way the great invitation can be sent out. So this week, guess what? God's sending you out. Some people are going to go, declined. Some people, I know, who gets awkward when you go and get RSVPs? Who organizes parties and you go, can you just RSVP? Like on the due date? Not two weeks after? And the day before the actual party? Who gets a bit frustrated by that? But guess what? You keep on sending the invitation. Because some people are going to come back to you and not respond. Some people are going to go, denied. Not my thing. That's okay. You keep sending yourself out. You still go. You still send yourself out. I love the fact that uh, me and my also, our, we're both born again Christians, and we were in that moment seeing our fellow brothers from high school. But you know, we will sent out. And we did things differently than drink and they're looking at us going, oh, enjoy your juice. <laughs> but the thing is that if you don't look different, if you're not transformed, if you don't have something different for them to actually cling on to, what's the point? So the important thing is this, you need to be transformed by Jesus. And then in doing that, let him transform you so you can transform others. Because people look at your life And they're either going to say, I don't want that, or yes, I want more of that. You are the greatest testimony of Jesus. So this week, whatever your week is like this week, I want to ask you, before you go to work, ask God, God, send me out this week. Send me out into the boardroom. Send me out into my family situation situation. Lord, I need to go down to the Mariah this week. Send me out. Honestly, they mean, God sends you there. All you need to do is this. Live a transformed life. And there are moments where God puts you in a position where you are encountering interruptions. Who likes to be interrupted? No one. (laughs) I like interrupting. (laughs) I like also getting interrupted. You know, the whole thing about being interrupted Jesus got interrupted all the time. Paul on the Damascus Road got interrupted. Peter and John on the way to a prayer meeting got interrupted. Hey, got any money? Suddenly, trying to get to our prayer meeting so we can be holy. Okay, then I'll pray for you. That's all what I can do. I got no money, but I'm going to pray for you. How many people this week are going to get interrupted? So what I want you to do this week is this. Look at the interruption and say, God, in this moment now, this interruption is from you, I know. Give me the wisdom to speak into it. And I love that fact that Jesus interrupted this lady's life. And guess what? From there, she changed the whole town. There's another um, another story where Jesus goes with the disciples and they go to the other side and they go to see the demon-possessed man, the legion. And I love the fact that when they he gets healed and delivered, and set free, he goes and tells a city of 10 towns. Amazing, eh? Because of his testimony and because of, everyone knew him. So when you go back in your town and they and they see you, your life needs to be transformed. Or you're just still the same person. Because that means that the Savior didn't really touch you. So it's important for us to be changed and transformed daily. So we pray. Let's all stand to our feet. Wants to be sent out this week as an invitation. Hands up. Fantastic. Let's pray for that that God will use you. That you would actually be used by God to interrupt lives. And also that you'll be interrupted by God this week. Father, we just want to thank you this morning. God, that many times in the Word that you're interrupted situations, Lord God. And we pray this morning. We want to pray, Lord God, that you'll be lifted high in every situation. And I pray for the interruptions to take place this week. I pray that be from your hand. And Lord, I pray that you'll lead us this week. They'll be sent out as great invitations to those around us that don't know you yet, that are pre-Christian. And Lord, I pray that you would use us to speak life and wisdom and wholeness and salvation into people's lives, Lord God. If that's you, if you want to be used this week, don't just raise your hands and say, God, that's me. Use me this week. Every opportunity. I'm lifting my hand because I want to be used by God this week. Use me, Lord. In the boardroom, Lord God. In my workplace. Around the coffee table. In my home. I when to just uh, say to the stay-at-home mums, no, you can be a blessing to your neighbours. You can be a blessing to those that are at home as well. In the corporate world, businessmen. You can be a blessing to other businessmen or those that meet in the, the boardroom. Everyone can be used by God as a great invitation. Father, we thank you. We commit our lives to you this week, Lord God. We want to pray, Lord God, that you use us. These invitations be used for your glory. We honor you this morning, Lord God. Have your will and have your way. We pray that we be led by the Holy Spirit this week. Let us be in step with you this week. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Cool. Well, take a seat, guys. Uh, We've got something else going on, I think. Kids, do you want to come take a seat? Come on, kids. Okay, so um, I'm gonna ask my wife to come up. Can I just give it a round of applause, my wife Lydia? So uh, it's a bit of a setup. So if you notice, everyone's wearing purple. What did I say in the card this morning? So I wrote on a card, "Follow the purple, look for the purple." So have a look around. You notice the colour? So the Bible, uh, Lydia in the Bible, who she sold purple, and so that's why I asked everyone if they could wear purple today, and that's why everyone's wearing purple to celebrate your birthday. And we said uh, for those who have, uh, we don't have everyone's emails, so if you don't, we don't have your email, you probably weren't invited. But no, nah, no, nah, you are, you are, you're here, you're invited. So we're gonna have a shared lunch. Uh, together after this but um we're gonna say sing happy birthday. Uh,